Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. BDW. Void were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Heavy metal. The way it was meant to be.
All right, welcome back to Heavy Metal Mayhem. Boy, we got a jam-packed show for you tonight. Later on in the show, Tim Wilson from Nitro will be calling in live. Interviews with Magnus Carlson from Primal Fear and Algy Ward of Tank. So stick around. We'll get some new music on tonight by Queensryche and King Cobra and whatever else we could fit in during that two-hour show we got going on here. Starting things off tonight with some Savage Grace, when old school would fight for your life. I was just reading somewhere, I don't know if it was on Facebook or on... Uh, BWBK, uh, uh, Chris Lug was the only original member left in Savage Grace, and he had, he's had it going for a couple of years now, but the last lineup of the band that he had put together, uh, they haven't heard from him in a couple of years, and they're actually going to go out and play under the Savage Grace name. And I find that funny because I was talking about, uh, well, talk about Tank, you know, uh, there's no original members in Tank yet, they're still playing, Algie Ward has got his own version of Tank going right now, we'll talk to Algie about that later, but... You know, at least some of the guys that are in the other tank were with the band from like a year or two on, you know, in. But with Savage Grace, those were guys that were just brought in like, you know, as high guns basically over the last couple of years. And they're kind of going to go out and play with the no original members, not, not even Chris. So that's kind of funny, but we'll see what happens with that. All right, we're going to get on a couple of tunes. Magnus Carlson is up first in about five minutes or so. Until then, we'll get the music on. Uh, there's new to hear Reverend. It's been quite a while since I've played them on the show. Uh, David Wayne's old group. So how about we get on a tune-off for one of their records? Here's 11th Hour.
All right, that was brand new Queensryche. The song is called Spore. You know, for months or since last year when the breakup happened between uh, the band and Jeff Tate, we've been hearing that, you know, they weren't happy with the direction that Jeff was bringing the band in and that they wanted to go back to old school. And and this record is definitely better than the Jeff Tate one, but they really didn't go back really old school. I mean, a lot of the songs in this record kind of sound like stuff they did from Empire to maybe an album to it, like a Promised Land between that area. It's definitely much better than anything they've done over the last few years. But I hope that with the next album, they can really go old school and go back to the EP and you know what they did on the first record. Who knows? But it is much better than the Jeff Tate version. So, eh, it is what it is. What did you think, Tay? Yeah, I agree with you there. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Um, it, it's good, but not as good as they uh, let upon or led us to believe. Yeah, I don't think they went as far back as they should have. It definitely has got some of that vibe from the Empire record, a couple of tunes, and yeah. like the Promised Land, and it's still, I don't know, it's just still a little too electronic for me. I don't know if that's the right word to use. Yeah. Um, yeah. It, it, it just doesn't have that raw energy, you know, I, that you know the older stuff had. I mean, they've always a polished band queens, right? But, you know, the older stuff just had more vibe to it. I don't know. I'm, I, don't, I just can't think of the right word, but. I agree with knows. you there. Eh, what are you going to do? Hey, but listen, we got a great show tonight. In about two seconds, we're going to have Magnus Carlson on from Primal Fear, then Algie Waters right after that, and Tim Wilson will be with us live from Nitro at 7.30. We also got New King Cobra we're going to get on. That's a great record. I don't know if you had a chance to listen to it yet or get it to you, but the New King Cobra is a, a good rocking record, man. Oh, cool. Yeah, definitely a great album over there. I can't believe that we're almost done with June, man. I was like looking at the the calendar. And next week is it. We're going into July after that. Unbelievable. This is just amazing how fast I know. I tell you, but you know what? Last year I said I wanted to get us back to our roots and get like those classic metal bands on like we did the first couple of years. Because last year we kind of strayed away with a lot of the newer bands. And I think we've done a great job. I said I wanted to focus on the new wave of British heavy metal. We've had two or three bands a month on from that genre. Sure. And the and, you know, I try to always dig up the underground bands from the eighties. And in July we got some great. We got Paradox on from uh, Chicago. We got Taste of Iron on the show. We'll have uh, Seven Witches will be back with us. Uh, I think the new thing Anthony is going to be calling in along with uh, Jack. Uh, man, so many other bands I got booked for uh, July. I just can't think of them. Frank Gilchrist from uh, Virgin Steel. And Lee's Law is going to call back on. And uh, who else we have on next week? Oh, next week is actually June. Next week we got John Oliver on next week. So. That'll be a great show. John is going to be a great guy to talk to. I kind of missed out in the first round of interviews, but you know what? Since I'm uh, minor media, we got in on the second round over there. <laughs> so that's good. Plus, Gary Young from Avenger, the UK Avenger, another new wave of British Heavy Metal band. So we're looking pretty good, I have to say. Beautiful. All right. So let me see. Uh, what do we got here? So uh, Maybe we get one more tune. You want to hear the new King Cobra? You want to? Because yeah, Magnus Carlson interview I did a little earlier. Yeah, so, I like uh, we, some of that, yeah. All right, well, this is a song called Hell on Wheels. I think this is a song that opens up the album. I tell you, it's nice having a guy in the band that can really hit those notes, you know, but mm. not taking anything away from Marcy Free over there. But uh, <laughs> here you go with Paul Shortino on vocals. It's brand new King Cobra, Hell on Wheels.
Man, that's some good shit. I mean, I love them with Paul Shartino singing, you know, T? Yeah, he's got some powerful voice. Yeah, he still does. He's a great guy, man. You know, a really good guy. You know, I'm glad. King Carver 2 is out now. We're going to have uh, Carmine on the show next month when they start doing press for the album. And maybe Paul will be with them. I'm not sure yet of the exact lineup that day. But, you know, one of the funniest interviews I always felt we did was the one with the, with the Carmine of Peace because he was just so distracted that day. Like, you know, he was, like, focused on everything else going on around him in his apartment except for the interview. And I was laughing. But when you hear the one with Alki Ward later on, <laughs> let me tell you, that takes the cake. That takes the cake, I guess. Yeah, it's a little painful at first, but, you know, <laughs> if you just listen to it and laugh, then you'll have a good time. But it is what it is. But I spoke with Magnus Carlson from Primal Fit earlier. He's got a brand-new solo record out called Free Fall. So let's get that interview on. We'll do a tune off it, and then we'll go right to Algie Ward right after that. So uh, here you go. Sit back and relax. This is a short one. Hello. Hey, Magnus. This is Mike. How are you? I'm fine, thanks. How are you? I'm good. I apologize for before. We're having a power outage today because of the heat, and I just got uh-huh. everything back up again. Oh, yeah, yeah, no worries. It's okay. Yeah. yeah it's just I have a tight schedule, so I, I just wrote you the, uh, because I was afraid we couldn't uh, do this. Well, <laughs> so. I'm glad we can, even for a few minutes, just to you know, talk a little bit, then I'll let you go for your next one. Yeah, I, I have a... You know, 20 minutes now, so... Oh, great. I appreciate it. Well, hey, look, it's a pleasure to talk to you today because I've been a fan of your music for a long time, and you are definitely one of the busiest guys in heavy metal. Uh, yeah, thank you very much. Yeah, yeah. It's been a lot of albums the last 10 years, yeah. <laughs> That's right. It, it has been. You know, you're almost like the, the house producer and songwriter for Frontier Records. I mean... So many artists, you know, you've worked for with them, and then you work with Primal Fear, and now your first solo record, Freefall. How is the new record, you know, compared to everything else you've done in the past? What were you trying to get across with the new album? Yeah, the, the difference uh, between this album and the rest is that uh, I was more free on this one. Even if I like to have, you know, directions, uh, directions from the from the artist, uh, they want it in a certain style and. Uh, and the, or the record uh, company Frontiers want want a certain style, but on this album uh, I did, you know, write what I like. <laughs> yeah, hundred percent. Well, that's important, and you've also worked with a lot of the artists on your solo record that you have, you know, written music for over the years mm-hmm. too. Was that yeah. your choice to work with them again on, on your stuff? Yeah, yeah, it's my choice. I made a list of things that I wanted on the album, and uh, I really thought like you know the songs that I really want to hear with them it's you know it's my name on the album so i, I could really do what i want to hear and of course if they didn't like it they would say no but um it worked out <laughs> they didn't complain yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, i mean you have a great bunch of songs in here. i mean from heading out the Our time has come you really hit the mark on this music and i, I really love the album and, and it's great hearing, like, you know, all these different artists sing with you again. And you can feel the difference between, like, what you wrote for you and what you write for, like, you know, the, the like, Russell Allen when you're working on his projects or Amanda Summerfield. You can really see the difference in this record. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah, that's cool. Yeah, I really try to, you know, make tailor-made songs for for everyone. So it will be perfect and feel feel good for them to sing it. So Yeah. You know, with with the album, like, because you pretty much played all the instruments on the record, you know, you wrote it. Are these songs that you're ever going to be able to, like, maybe get a touring band together to go out and do, or do you just prefer to, like, you know, to record it and make it like a project for yourself, or will we ever hear these songs live? 
Yeah, we have actually talked talked about it to uh, to make it live, and uh, it would be cool and quite tricky to bring all the singers, but I don't know. Yeah. Maybe we can do it with a couple of singers, and uh, but we I don't have any you know uh, plans for it yet. But we are talking about it, and I think we will see how it goes for the album if the, if the sales are okay and uh, what offers we will get from uh, festivals and stuff. Sure. Would you ever think about just bringing in another singer, you know, a steady singer just to do the album if you had to? Yeah, but it would be cool to have a couple uh, of singers from the album. That would be best. Definitely. Uh, you know, like we said before, you write for so many different artists. I mean, do you set out with the intention of saying, okay, well, I'm writing this because, you know, Michael Kiska and Amanda Summerfield are doing a record. I'm going to write for them. Or are these songs that you just write in general, and then you kind of fit them to the different artists for whatever they need? No, I don't save a lot of songs. I just I make uh, new songs for for uh, the album or the project or the band that I'm working with uh, at the moment. Okay, so that's pretty much the way it's done. And I have to tell you, I'm a big fan of of Last Tribe, and and I love that band when you had it going. Is there any chance that maybe anything would ever happen with that again down the road? Yeah, maybe. We talked a lot about it. And actually, I don't know if you saw it, but uh, uh, Rikyad, the singer from Last Tribe, singing one song on the album called Last Tribe. Yeah. And he, when I asked him, he said, oh, I didn't sing at all since the last album. Wow. And that was um, maybe 10 years ago or something like that. Yeah. So uh, I thought, oh, you want to do it? Yeah, yeah, I want to do it. And it, it took a long time, but he did a really great job. And now I said, wow, I want to sing again. So uh, maybe we <laughs> will do it. Now, was that like your first real band? I think you had maybe Midnight Sun before that, but was that like your first serious band, Last Tribe? Yeah, it was because um, Midnight Sun, I was more like a hired gun. You know, they had uh, already songwriters and stuff. Yeah. And they, of course, I had a lot of bands before that, but not that they made any albums. It was more local stuff. Yeah. You feel like you like you know because you got Primal Fear behind you, which is a major band, and people just love Primal Fear. Mm. Do you feel like you're always having to start over when you do a new project or a solo record? Like you feel like you're like a new kid on the block again? No, it, it's some of the artists uh, know who I am, <laughs> so it, it's uh, I don't ha I don't have to start from scratch. No, it's it's quite cool. That's good. And what's going on with Primal Fat? Hey, you guys are working on a new record uh, on that front, too, so you're really busy. Yeah, actually, right now I'm recording guitars for uh, the new Primal Fear album, and we, uh, we will do uh, Start on the Drums in July. Yeah, so we are really bu busy with Primal Fear, and we're going to do some festivals, and I think we have a, a tour in uh, in uh, later this year. So, uh, yeah, it's cool. And uh, I really like the new songs we have. Uh, not 100% done yet, but uh, it will be really, really cool. You know, I started in the band as a fan, I'm, and I'm still a fan of the band, so it feels great. Yeah, well, Unbreakable was an amazing record from uh, last year, and you joined the band right before that with 16-6, uh, Before the Devil Knows You're Dead, so I'm looking mm. forward to hearing something new. And is, it, is it harder today, you think, for a musician to kind of make this like their livelihood, like their life's business, just writing and playing music, or is it more difficult than it used to be? Yeah, in some ways it's difficult because the sales, are, uh, the album sales are not that good anymore, and uh, 
there are a lot of bands <laughs> touring. It's a, yeah, I think, and that's because it's some stuff is easy now. It's very easy to uh, make good recordings for everyone in their home studios and stuff, and it's easy to send uh, files all o- over the world, and we don't have to meet always to do uh, new albums and stuff. So that that's easier now. Um, uh, and for me, you know, to work all, with all these artists in uh, the Frontiers to Roaster, it's really cool. I couldn't do that, I mean, 20 years ago. Then I had to travel everywhere to do it. That's, do you prefer it that way? Do you prefer where you can, you know, record your music where you are and where you're comfortable and not have to be in a room all the time with the musicians? Or are you kind of like old school where you like to be together, you know, to write and rehearse and play? Yeah, I like both, you know. It's really nice to be in your own studio and you have your setup and you can do, you have all your sounds and amps and stuff and you can, uh, if you have an idea in the middle of the night, you can do, go up and do it. And But I also like to meet uh, the guys that I'm working with, of course. It's really nice, but it's often I don't have the time to do it and then we don't have to maybe the budget to do it too. If I work with Russell Allen and... And he's touring all the time with Symphony X, yeah. for example. And so this is a good solution. <laughs> it does. It works. And it makes it a lot easier for, for people that want to work together to do so. Like it says, where they can't travel you know, from yeah. country to country. So it does make it easier. And it gives us, the fans, a chance to hear you know, music we might not have heard before from guys playing together. So I, I guess it is a good thing. Yeah, it is. But one thing that I learned is that I really try to make the demos sound really really good and like almost like the album because it's much easier for the other guys to understand what i want if we can't meet you know they can hear it in the demos so i I spend a lot of time to you know program drums for the drummer so he really can hear hear the yeah how it should sound sure you know a lot of people forget today you're also a very well-known producer you've produced so many bands and albums including your newest, your solo record, Freefall, is it harder to, you think, produce yourself than somebody else? Are you more critical of your, you know, your own work? Yeah, I was <laughs> very critical this, this time, you know. Yeah, not only with the producing, but with the songwriting. Normally, I try to write a song as good as I can, you know, and then I send it to the artist or the record label, but now I, I wrote a song as good as I can, and then I did it again after two weeks, you know, <laughs> try to make it better because it's, you know, it's my name on the album cover and sure. maybe I won't do it again, you know, so. Yeah, it has to be because like if you're going in and producing another artist and you hear something that maybe doesn't sound right or you think, you know, another part might work better, you mm-hmm. would tell them and try to convince them to do it your way because you know it's going to sound better in the end. How do you convince yourself to change something because you actually wrote the music too? Yeah, yeah, but <laughs> I'm easy to convince. <laughs> it's harder to, you know, tell uh, John Lander to change something. He's <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, it's easier to tell me to do, but maybe it's I work too much when I uh, producing myself because I did something twice that I didn't need to do it twice. Uh, sure. But, 
it's hard. Who, who is the hardest person to work with? Because you've worked with so many artists. Who do you go and say, I know this guy is going to send me crazy today. It's going to be so hard. But yet you love doing it because you know it's going to be a great product at the end. Who's the most difficult guy to work with? Yeah, I wouldn't say difficult, but... Uh, demanding. Yeah, <laughs> demanding. Now, the big difference between uh, the artists that, that I work with is that some don't want to do... They, they just want to want me to tell them, this is the song, can you sing it like this? And uh, and they just do it. But uh, some of the artists just want to do it in their way. But I'm so lucky because, for example, Russell Allen, when, when I send him a song, I know the result will, will be different to uh, how I did a demo. And, but he, he do it in a really good way, so I never complain, you know. Yeah. He has a bluesy style, and when I sing a demo, I can't do, I can't sing like him. So uh, I'm prepared. He, he will do it in his way, and that's really cool. It's not, it's never a problem. Yeah, Russell's an amazing singer, and he's so versatile that he can go kind yeah, of anyway with the song. So it, yeah. it must be nice having that kind of caliber of musicians to work with, where you can rely on them to you know, kind of fulfill your dream of what you're writing. Yeah, it's so cool. I, you know, I'm honored. I never have to complain on anything. <laughs> I'm just so happy. You know, I'm I'm a fan of all the singers on my album and all in all the projects and uh, albums I do. So I'm just honored. And I'm honored that you're giving us this music, Magnus. And I'm not going to keep you much longer because I know you have another interview coming up. But, you know, from Last Tribe, the Starbreaker, the Primal Fear, to now, Magnus Carlson's Free Fall, the best of luck with everything. And I can't wait for people to hear this album. I think it's your best work yet. Thank you very much. I'm very glad to hear it. Uh, thank you very much, Magnus. You have a great day. Take care. You too. Thank you. Bye-bye. Bye.
right, that was brand new Magnus. I hate when that shit leads it to the next thing, you know, T? Yeah, I know what you're saying. That happens with this, you know, with MP3s and CDs, you know, the intros and outros sometimes lead into the next song. Sure. Not like the good old days of vinyl. Yeah, <laughs> what well, are you going to do? It would be it would be pretty difficult to do the show on vinyl, so. You got that right. It would be pretty yeah. difficult to get on regular radio, too, but uh, thank God for the internet. Yeah. <laughs> There's people like us on there. All right, well, you know what? It's getting late. we got to get Algie Ward on. We've got Tim Wilson from Nitro in about a half hour or so. And in between that, we have to get our resident concert calendar man and our news guy, Mr. Ken Pierce and PierceMill.com on. So we got a busy show. So uh, let's reach out for Algie right now. Algie, this is Mike from Heavy Metal Mayhem. How are you? Hi, Diane. I'm doing hey, great. Can you, uh, 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 can you hear me? Yes. Yeah, loud and clear? Yes, perfect. Okay. All right, mate. I, I was hoping I got the time right. I got a little confused there for a minute. Oh, yeah, that's good. No, yeah, uh, nearly on the button. Great. You know, Algie, I mean, I go back to you from the days of the damned and the early days of Tank, so I'm, like, thrilled that Tank, I mean, Tank, have a new album out. Yes, I do, yes. I'm, I'm glad. And, you know, Breath from the Pit, I mean, kind of it, it kind of takes me back to the old days. I mean, you really... You know, recaptured that classic tank sound from back in the in the eighties. Nah, that's the idea. Well, you did a fantastic job on. It, I have to tell you that. And what brought it back? I mean, I know you you know you weren't feeling so good over the last couple of years. I uh, hope everything's going okay with that, and that you, you know you're back and ready to go again. Oh no 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 no! I I can't play live anymore. But st- you're still going to record and, and put music out on your own, I guess. Yeah, that's right. Uh, well, that's good enough to know. But you talk about Tank. You know, you go back to the early days of the band. I mean, you were one of the first bands to kind of take that old punk and, and punk sound from the 70s and incorporate it, you know, with what was coming up at the time, that new heavy metal scene from the late 70s and early 80s. And a lot of people say, you know, like Iron Maiden were doing it and Motorhead were doing it, but you guys really merged the two sounds together at the time. Uh, um, not knowingly. Really. <laughs> no, no, no. We 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 were just playing. Um, we, we just did it. Yeah. Well, you kind of took your influences from the. I don't, no, I don't know. So there wasn't anything, nothing to do with Motorhead um, or Maiden or anybody. There was, you know, it was uh, just what what we come out with. Yeah, that was well, it, was, it was a progression of your sound from your earlier bands, and you kind of carried it over to Tank, is what I was trying to say. Oh, yeah, I get it. I get it. Yeah, that's all I meant by that. Yeah, it was that very raw-sounding material back then, and, you know, it was something new, and people weren't used to it. Uh, was it hard to kind of get that music across to the people back in the early days? Uh, yes, but, you know, but it was, it was all too... Uh, it was hard to do anything, uh, even with it. I uh, was in the, in the same sort of den, you know. The um, well, especially in this country, um, uh, just ignorant. Yeah. You know, uh, uh, people in, uh, in in Europe, they, they loved it. We we uh, we uh, most of the time we uh, never had the money to go there, and when we did, they they went. Um, Oh shit! You know they, they really did. Yeah, there were there were hard times those early days. I mean, the music business is very difficult, you know, at, at any point in time. But 
you know, you had that big scene back then. At least they considered it to be a scene in a way of British heavy metal. Most of the bands I talked to said they didn't know any different at the time. It was just them writing music and playing, and they didn't realize there was this whole, you know, scene going on around them. But a few years later, most of the bands that were rising up through that time in the early 80s, they kind of got forgotten about because the scene kind of sifted here to America when bands like Metallica and Exodus were coming out, and they kind of forgot about those bands for a while. Is that what it felt like to you guys back then? <clears throat> yeah, um, uh, because well, um, you know, uh, I don't, I, 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 don't know, uh, I have no idea, you know, because I wasn't really part of uh, any, you know, the new wave of heavy uh, metal or anything and stuff. Yeah. So I, 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 you know, because um, I was in a band, you know, I was, you know, I was doing something else. That's and, uh, and, and, and the only time I uh, heard of uh, Iron Maiden, uh, apart from playing, uh, I saw them at the Marquee, and uh, well, that was a, that was alright. Yeah. And uh, and uh, I was I saw them, uh, uh, a TV show in Germany or something or other. I didn't I didn't I really didn't I didn't know, you know I. I um, you know, you know, I wasn't part of any, any of that stuff because I wasn't in it. Yeah. Completely so you know, you know, people, you know, but you know, they, they, they should ask me now why don't you say those? Well, look, I was doing something else then. It wasn't. It was not me. You know, I didn't know what's uh, what was um, going on in somewhere else in London. I was. Miles away. Yeah. Know. Sure. I completely understand. The band was moving along pretty good in the 80s. Come to the end of the decade, around 88, 89, you guys kind of broke up. What happened the first time around? Uh, I don't know. Uh, uh, Mick took a, a show these two colors. Uh, and then I forgave him once. I don't. Do it twice. Well, it looks like he showed him again a lot of years later because he's been running around with the tank name, and I don't know how That's that right. happened. I can't. I for life, it's not tank to me. I can't figure it out. How he's out there doing that, and there's not one original member in the band with them. Well, they because uh, they, if they, uh, it sounds you know really hard, but. Um, I, I I gave those people jobs, and uh, I can't play live anymore. Yeah. I can't do what what they want me to do anymore. So simple as that. Yeah. Do you, do you think it would have been possible if you were still a part of the band, just not the touring, a live part of the band? Was that an option at the time where you would at least write? No, 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 no. There was no, 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 no. There was no discussion. You know, they they had they got their own agenda. They had yeah. their own agenda. Yeah. You, you can see that now. But I, I think with the new album, out, Breath of the Pit, a lot of people are going to realize what Tank, you know, is supposed to be and what it's all about. Mm. Especially the newer fans that haven't, you know, heard or known the band from the early days. Oh, well, that's right. Uh, that's, that's why I am. Exactly. But, uh, 
I remember some years ago, maybe five or six, maybe more than that years ago, I read an interview somewhere that you were working on a couple of records at the same time the last Hank record came out with you on there called Stump, uh, Stump Hands or something, Retribution. Were those songs ever used or are those some of the songs that are... Oh, yeah, yeah, they're... they're, they're um, uh... Three of the songs on uh, Stone Pans, I, I can, there are, uh, you know, um, I can give you the, what album they're on. Hold on, I just, um, I'll just put my glasses on. That's okay. <laughs> I have to do the same thing too. Uh, no, the, you know, you know, um, have you heard of, uh, hold on, uh, have you heard of um, uh, Gary Barden? Sure. For the Michael Schenker group. Uh, he's, a, he's an old friend of mine. Uh, I've known him since uh, 75, 76. Hello, are you still there? Yeah, yeah, I'm listening to you. I'm oh, yeah. yeah. Um, uh, the, the album's called uh, Gary John Barden at the 11th hour. And uh, I'll give you the serial number if you want it. Sure, go right ahead. Uh, it's, it's on Escape Music. Okay. And it's ESM231. Got it. And uh, three of the songs, uh, they would have been on Stern Pans there. Uh, Baghdad City, We Are the Dead, and Before the Eyes of the World are on there. Oh, great. No, pretty much in the uh, 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 they should be done. Yeah, I definitely have to. I, check I, out. I, I play those. I play those songs to the uh, uh, to Cliff and um, Mick, and yeah. they uh, and they all they already had their agenda going. They didn't like them. Yeah, well, you can see that they took that version of whatever they're doing in a whole different direction. You know, it's nothing. Even what mm. Hank was, was originally about. Well, no, 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 no uh, fortunately, well, un, well, fortunately, unfortunately, whatever. I, I, uh, I, I haven't heard it. I, I really don't want yeah. to listen to it. I know, I know, Gary. I know, um, I know, Doogie uh, Thing. Yeah. Uh, is uh, replaced uh, Gary Barton in Michael Schenker, but uh, I really don't. Follow much. Yeah. And uh, uh, the music business is all now. So. Sure, I understand that. Uh, you know, I, I was looking back and I was thinking one of the bands that I think was the most heavily influenced by, by Tank in the early days was Warfare. And later on, you kind of hooked up with them for a short period of time around that. Oh, yeah. That well, no, no, no. He's, he's a friend. Yeah. Ever yeah, was a friend. So um, he um, ever used to uh, uh, plague me at um, uh, tank gigs yeah. in the early days, and uh, uh, one uh, one time he he was in some I don't uh, I don't know what uh, some. Oh, Hellfire. He okay. was, that's what it was, at Newcastle City Hall. And, uh, no, no, Newcastle Mayfair, sorry, not necessarily. Yeah. Uh, we, we were uh, we were playing, and uh, his band supported us. 
and uh, he, he, uh, he, he he's, he's an old damn he's a damn fan. Yeah. And uh, I suppose it's a bit like um, you know that bass player got into Metallica, really. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Yeah. You know, like the annoying fan. Sure. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. There's always one of them. <laughs> uh, but uh, um, he, he kept on asking him for advice, and uh, every time he played Newcastle or, or anywhere, you know, he'd be there yeah. at the marquee in London or um, stuff like that. And uh, no, it, it wasn't. Um, he wasn't like Jason. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> he, he had some brains. <laughs> uh, I, I don't print that. No. I'm, 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 it's okay. Pardon? What did you say? Mm? Worst thing said in the world. Don't worry. Was that was that, that an edit? <laughs> He was a good enough drummer. He, he um, uh, played with uh, the Blood and Angela Apstarts and uh, various people. Yeah. And uh, and uh, he, he says, well, well, you know, there's no point in you being up in in the middle of nowhere. There was um, uh, no, some what well, no, some you know, yeah. miles away, in between nowhere and Newcastle. And I said, you better come, you know, come down here. So he got himself um, come down here, and uh, he kind of, you know, he stay around the corner from down the place around the corner from where I was, uh, you know, where I grew up was, which is in Croydon. Yeah. Uh, and uh, I, uh, I looked after him, and uh, I taught him everything he doesn't know. <laughs> <laughs> well, no, sorry. I wouldn't say that, say that the other way around. I, I taught him everything I'd forgotten. <laughs> That's just as good. <laughs> Oh God! Yeah, you know, if you had to go back over all these years to the beginning, would you do it again? Yes. Yeah. No regrets. No. That's good to know. I mean, you know, people don't realize it, but after forty years, that first record. I mean, it's a classic. The Phil Towns of Hades is like, when people talk about their top ten records, this is an album that goes on there. Did you feel it was hard to ever top that record? I've no idea, mate. No, no, no. no, no, no. I did a few years before then. Yeah. Oh, yeah, quite a bit. <laughs> so, yeah. No, so it's... Um, uh, I, I, started in, I started in the music business when I was 13. Wow. And I was, uh, you know, I was, I was working for, I, I, you know, I worked for Sabbath, I worked for Ura Heap, I worked for all these people as a, hum, you know, like Humper. You know, so, um, uh, 
I've got a stories to tell. <laughs> you should write a book. Yeah, I, I, I was going to, but um, I'm, uh, the the, uh, the lady I was going to write it with, you know, uh, well, no, not really. No, she just, you know, type it all out really. Yeah. Uh, she she uh, passed. You know, she, she um, had breast cancer, so. Um, no, no, she's a proper, you know, she's a journalist, so yeah, she, she, she could have had the, um, no, the, uh, the book deal, and uh, unfortunately, that, you know, so you know, anyway, blah blah, blah. It, yeah. it, it will happen. It will happen. I hope so, because I can imagine there must be some great tales to tell over all these years in the business. I mean, I look back at the first record. I mean, uh, were you friends with Fast Eddie Clark back then? That how did you hook up with Eddie for the the record? Well, because, um, well, I know, uh, oh, Eddie, um, uh, first time I met Eddie when I was shagging his, uh, his, uh, one of his birds <laughs> at the, <laughs> it's a, a squat in, uh, I can't remember where the squat was, but it was in a squat. Oh, that's, that's the time I met Eddie. Yeah. No, I, 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 I met, met uh, I, I knew uh, uh, Lemmy before then. It's not, nothing to do with the, that's why I was in the Saints. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's a good way to meet the guy. <laughs> At least you have something in common. And all he says was, as he was. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's too much. Oh, God. No, it's the truth. <laughs> no, I've been down there, mate. Yeah, <laughs> literally. No, I hadn't. No. Okay. Hey, listen, I... No, there's plenty of. Well, no, it's, it's best, some things are best. Why doesn't we, you know, most of the people are dead now anyway, so it doesn't matter. That's right. That's, that's, <laughs> we're just getting a little closer to the end. <laughs> <laughs> no, you, 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 you made me remember um, things. <laughs> yeah. That you do. <laughs> this isn't going out on the radio, is it? You're, no, oh, no, you're going to put this... Yeah, we'll, we'll fix it up. You're going to edit it, hopefully. Yeah, we'll edit it out. We'll fix things up. Don't worry. <laughs> but, <laughs> I'm going to have to let you go now. But I do appreciate you talking to me today. Breath of the Pit is out now, and people that want to hear Tank, the real Tank, all they have to do is pick up this record, and they'll know what you're all about. Oh, uh, 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 thanks for thanks for finding me. Uh, Thanks for any time, Algie. The best of luck with this record. Well, no, it's, uh, if if if, if um, uh, um, um, uh, did I get my uh, did I get my uh, email? Yeah. Yes, I got it. I got it. Yeah, I, I, I you know, I uh, keep on getting. Um, I'll I'll, uh, I'll let you know if I change my email address. You got it, buddy. Thank you very much. Yeah, uh, because uh, you know those uh, those uh, the scum out there. I can Im- I can imagine. <laughs> yeah, I'll, I'll keep in touch with you one way or the other. Thank you very much. All right. All right. Take care.
right, brand new Algie Ward tank, killer be killed. The music is killer. Well, I tell you, T, I would, uh, I want to go out and party with that guy someday. Wow. <laughs> that interview was something else, that's all I'll say. <laughs> yeah, he makes Ozzy Osbourne sound like Char- Winston Churchill. <laughs> <laughs> He's a really nice guy, really nice guy to talk to, but, uh, you know, I guess not big with the interviews, but it is what it is. I, that was the first interview I believe he's done since the 90s, so uh, wow. a little rusty maybe, but a really nice guy to talk to. And, you know, I hope this album sells well because this really is what Tank is all about and what they should sound like. So yeah. there you go. Well, you know what? We got Tim Wilson from Nitro calling in live in about 20 minutes, but before then, right now we got to welcome the mayor of Metalville, Mr. Kent Pierce of PierceMetal.com. Kenny, what's going on, my friend? All right. Oh, well, well, um, uh, I figured I'd talk like the guy. <laughs> hey, don't make fun I, of my guest. <laughs> no, 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 I'm not really making fun of him. He, he, I, I swear, I swear, I swear you could have almost heard the clinking of the glass. <laughs> but good, you know what? He's having a great time. He's done a lot of accomplishments for metal over those past four decades, so let him have what the fuck fun he wants to do, right? That's right. All right. That is right. So, hey, let me keep it brief and to the point for a small change because uh, you guys got a busy program tonight. Let me let me get right into the, the mix of things. Be- well, that's not the right word. The mix of things because tonight down at BB King Blues Club, uh, right after the program, you can head down to to there and see Nectar and Martin Turner's Whip Wishbone Ash. There's apparently now also a second version of Wishbone Ash. I'm running out of a list of who, how many bands have two versions now. It's it's really getting hard to uh, keep track. Uh, probably taking part in a little while down at the Bowery Electric. There's a, a book release event uh, for the Bard to Life book. Mike, I don't know if you've heard about this, but it's about uh, some of the hardcore scene and uh, the guys in Black Flag and stuff about that. And uh, there'll be some special guest musicians tonight, and it is open to the public, and you can even pick up a copy of the book that this particular documentary uh, thing has uh, come from. So that sounds like an interesting time. Tomorrow night over at the Aridium Jazz Club, you got Lita Ford sitting in with the Les Paul Trio. That should be interesting, and as you know, these Les Paul events find a... a host of different kinds of music being played and then the guests will join them and then they play some stuff so you probably get to hear wow. the Les Paul Trio do Kiss Me Deadly that will be interesting fun. is she think? sitting in with the band or on the band she, she sits in with the band okay <laughs> she doesn't sit on the band now, uh, so, uh, okay. Uh, Tuesday night is the decade of Queen V the release by Queen V New York's own queen of the rock vocal sound. She's got a great voice, and she'll be delivering her debut album uh, that evening and also performing at Tammany Hall for everybody who wants to go check it out. And if you like what you hear by clicking her queenv.com site, maybe you want to be a part of this exciting new release and event party. Nazareth is over at BB King Blues Club, so you can tell everybody that love hurts or is it stinks or is it both i think it's both no love stinks 
Love Stinks is wait, Love Stinks is Jay Giles band. Love Stinks is Jay Giles, Love Hurts, you're right. Love Hurts is BB King uh, is Nazareth. So yes, so you can get your hair of the dog out too and uh, go see those guys. The Artemis Pyle band will be opening up and apparently Artemis Pyle band plays a lot of Leonard Skinner. Go figure. Thursday night, you got internal bleeding over at Santos Party House. I, I was looking at the listings for the club, and I was like, yeah, that's definitely a metal show. <laughs> yeah, I think so. <laughs> Didn't know anything about the band at all, and I was like, yep, metal show. <laughs> sometimes sometimes it just comes to you, and they'll be yeah. bringing along Pyrexia and Anesthetized as direct support. Friday night, you got Rubik's Cube. They're now over at the cutting room, it seems, so their show will be at 11 p.m., bringing the best of 80s stuff to your attention. Be sure to check them out. Saturday, another late evening show as the Vampire Freaks present Cybertron at Gramercy Theater. This is an evening of gothic and industrial music, DJs, go-go dancers, all sort of crazy display of everything. And there will also be a 20th anniversary set by the band Bile. So that is a late-running show. And if you like that kind of stuff, please do go check it out. Back to the Iridium Jazz Club, though, you got the new riders of the Purple Sage, and they are a great classic southern rock band. And they will be playing two sets. So remember, as always with Iridium, uh, a ticket to the 8 o'clock show does not mean you could stay for the 10 o'clock show. So uh, it's go once or twice, okay? And that, my friends, is all I have. And, hey, Mike, you know, I, I never like to admit that you're right sometimes. But, because, uh, you know, you know, but uh, I, I want... I want to be that. I want to be in line with your wife and say you're always wrong, you know. Okay. But but apparently apparently you're right because I'm starting to I'm starting to question this uh, this Facebook stuff because uh, I tell you I I uh, I can't win. <laughs> <laughs> it's wrong. I can't win. I tell you I love it. I love it. But I I say I tell you I say it on the show to come and give us a quick like so you could keep up with us and I I hang up and I see less. Less people. It's like they're like they're deleting us after the show. <laughs> I gotta stop doing the show. Then I'm gonna kill your whole brain. I'm gonna have to stop bringing it up. But for now, <laughs> hey, listen. If you do somehow still like what we're talking about over here, and uh, do go on to Facebook and give us a page, and don't press that on like button. Give us a like, cause we'll love you back. You know that. And also, our Twitter is there, and our visuals of the strange that we see in the music field are at Piercing Metal NYC at Instagram. And that is all, my friends. I hope you have a fantastic summer week. Go out and check out that big moon tonight. And Mike, I mean in the sky, not oh, oh, in your pants. I'm glad you clarified that for me. Okay. And you too, right, Kate. Yeah, Bye, guys. Yeah. You got it, Kenny. Take care. <laughs> Mr. Ken Pierce from PiercingMetal.com all right. Well, you know what? Tim Wilson's going to be calling in a little bit. We have our demolition segment to get through. And um, what did I want to mention over there? Oh, our sponsor, rockandrollexcetera.com, has a couple of vintage Motley Crue patches to give away this week. So anybody looking for one, just let me know, and we'll get them out to you. I have no idea if anybody's getting these patches or memorabilia anyway, because well, I, I never I, hear from them. So Yeah, I did get my stuff. Oh, okay, so they're all getting out there. So there are a couple of nice big Motley Crue patches. And all the stuff is the original vintage material from the 80s that were left over in a warehouse. So. Right. Just drop me a line and I'll get it. I'll get them out to you. I know last week we sent out a couple of Skid Row patches. I forgot to mention it. Also, a great companion to this show in print media is Snake Pit Magazine. My friend Laurent does an amazing job of putting this magazine together. I mean, you know, every couple of months there's an issue out. 
I think number 20 was out last month, and there are still a lot left over that he's got to get rid of before the next one can come out. So head over to any one of my websites. There's a link to the Snake Pit site so you can order these magazines. I mean, these magazines bring back the classic days of, like, you know, Metal Forces. Laurent digs up the best underground metal bands from the 80s, and he has interviews with them, bands that you have forgotten about over the years. And every single magazine comes with a free 7-inch vinyl record. No, there was a Savage Grace demo in one a couple issues back. A Wicca was in the last one. You can't beat this magazine for the few dollars that it costs to get it. So help support them that way. We can keep getting more of these magazines out there. Like I said, just go to Facebook, type in Snake Pit Magazine, or go to any one of my sites. There's a link there. So help support them, and let's get the next issue going and get it out, because I know from what I hear, there's a lot of great interviews coming up in that magazine. All right, T, now that I got through that, how about we do our demolition segment? A great band out of Canada called Anna Black. They kind of wore makeup and kind of look like a glam band, but they were pretty hard rocking outfit for the day. And their first demo, Love Kills, is up on the block spot right now. Mm-hmm. Head over there and download yourself a copy of that. Here's a song called Wasted.
some attacker there with Black Wind Colin. Those are our good buddies. You know, they had to cancel their appearance the next week, T, at the Warriors of Metal Festival uh, in uh, Ohio because uh, the drummer, Mike Sabatini, was in a really bad accident a few weeks ago. Oh, sorry. Yeah. And, uh, he's, yeah, he's doing okay. He's recuperating. But they had a lot of festivals and other shows lined up over the summer that are going to kind of get put on hold. And uh, but don't let that stop you guys from going to the Warriors of Metal Festival because that's his and his wife. They do an amazing job every year of putting on this great festival. We always talk about how we need to have them here like in Europe. Well, yeah. Dallas is doing that. And he's gotten James Rivera to come in to fill in for Attacker and also Malaya Rage. Uh, Tony Anthony has back surgery, so the band can't perform. So he brought James Rivera in, and James is now going solo. He still has Hellstar. And he has a whole bunch of other bands that he does, you know, where he really does his own music anyway. But now he's officially James Rivera as a solo actor. He's going to debut at next weekend's Warriors of Metal Festival. So if you, if you can get there, go. You also have Flotsam and Jetsam on the bill and about 25 other great bands. But right now, waiting in the wings patiently, Mr. Tim Wilson from Nitro. Tim, how are you, my friend? Hey, guys. Thanks a lot for uh, having me on. Hey. Anytime, Tim. You're on with me, and you got Tommy also with me, and... You know, Tim, when I was preparing for the show, I was uploading some music by Nitro. I was like, damn, 1982, the Lethal Record came. I'm like, that's 31 years ago, and the band was from 33. <laughs> I mean, I felt really old, because I remember buying those albums back in the day. Yeah, I was uh, seven when we made the record, guys. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's not too bad, then. <laughs> well, let me just say, I'm the youngest member of Nitro, so I feel pretty good about that. <laughs> Yeah, at least they're one step closer to death than you are. That's all that's that's all that matters in the end. <laughs> well, you know, if we look at uh, people like uh, you know, all of the the obvious comparisons are Black Sabbath guys. Look at that, yeah. yeah, number one record, great record, and those guys are a little bit older than me for sure. <laughs> Definitely, and they're so. still doing it. You know, age doesn't matter with us, you know, because when you love what you're doing and you play, you know, I mean, you got a little harder than the other guys. Because being a drummer is a little bit more physical. Yeah. But, I mean, you know, you're doing it. Yeah, uh, in short, um, I've always been a bit of a uh, healthy guy, too. I mean, I, I, I get the uh, expanding waistline like everybody does. But in general, it's uh, it's it's no different than it was when I was uh, 20 years old and we were out there playing, you know, five, six nights a week and getting two hours of sleep. you got to have a little bit of recovery time. Um, the kind of stuff that we do is uh, pretty pretty fast in a lot of cases and pretty hardcore and um uh i find that as long as uh, as long as i stay fit like i always did i'm i'm in pretty good shape and i think if you talk to any of the other guys that are out there bashing the skins they probably take the same approach yeah well you know we'll go back a little bit to the beginning for people aren't familiar with the band i mean you know the band starts in 1980 you're out of pennsylvania i mean at that point in time you know metal was just kind of you know taking root here in the u.s i mean the new wave of british heavy metal was Started to explode over in the UK, and you know it wasn't like today with the internet where you could find out what's going on right away. Everything took a little longer to filter around the world back then. It was all on pen and paper, and you guys yep. are starting out playing some pretty hard and heavy music for a time when it really wasn't being done here in the US. Yeah, um, what we were doing was uh, we were in the hotbed of Central Pennsylvania, where there's a lot of Amish people, but uh, not a lot of heavy metal clubs uh, like New York or LA or uh, places like London for those for, for those that are overseas. We uh, it was an organic evolution, frankly. You know, we bumped into each other. We had friends that uh, liked the sorts of stuff that we did. We were getting records from uh, overseas. You know, we were listening to uh, Scorpions, and we were listening to uh, Black Sabbath, and we were listening to uh, Deep Purple. 
yeah, rainbow, that kind of stuff. It was mostly British, so we uh, we filtered all of our stuff through that lens. Uh, John Hazel, who's our guitarist, was a huge and still is a huge Black Sabbath fan, and uh, so a lot of his sound came from that. And I remember them turning me on to all kinds of things. Brad really turned me on to ACDC in a heavy way. Brad Gensamore is our bass player. And uh, Dana Confer, our lead vocalist, played me Judas Priest for the first time in his uh, in his van and said, Tim, you got to hear this. And this was like 1980, and I think uh, yeah. British Steel had just come out at that point. Yeah. And I hadn't heard it before. I mean, I might have heard pieces here and there, but it just blew me away. And then, you know, played me uh, Hellbent for Leather, and I was sold. I remember listening to the Blizzard of Oz for the very first time in John's car thinking, what the heck is this? <laughs> yeah, I, I could, yeah. Yeah, so it was great. We filtered all that stuff through, um, uh, all of our music is filtered through that. Now, on the other side of that, you know, I was listening to all kinds of stuff like Van Halen, um, Boston, um, you know, uh, that kind of stuff. Uh, Aerosmith was huge for me. So I had a lot of the American rock influence in what I was doing. So uh, most of it was British, though. Uh, you know, the Deep Purple and the Black Sabbath was a big deal for John, who was writing most of the music at the time. Uh, we kind of felt like we were doing it in a vacuum, though. We didn't know because there was no Internet. We didn't yeah. know what was going on around the world. Um, you know, we just knew what we liked to do, and it was uh, it was almost like uh, it was divinely delivered on us when we found the Kerrang! magazine in a uh, college record store, and it was like... Oh my God! It's like finding the the Dead Sea Scrolls. We just couldn't <laughs> believe it. Yeah. <laughs> so, so it was great. We had we filtered it all through that lens of British metal, British hard rock of the seventies. Yeah. Well, you know, I mean, together a couple of years. I never, I never had the original Lethal EP. I got the one. I think that came out in eighty two. I believe it was eighty three, eighty four. That when Mausoleum picked it up and they released as Lethal Plus two. They put two. That's the one that I had bought. But I never yep. got that original one. Did you guys do that on your own? Because that was a tenant, if, if I remember right. We sure did, and I didn't know, Mike, that you didn't have one because a uh, little little side story here is that we were in the studio about uh, I don't know three four weeks ago and had found uh, a couple of boxes of unopened Lethal EPs that were sealed. So wow. I'll make sure that you guys get a few of them. <laughs> so I we'll talk about that. that later. That's like Beautiful a gold stuff. mine. Yeah, you know, actually, we're trying to, you know, trying to get them into the hands of some fans. We didn't even, we didn't even know they were around. But yeah, what we did is, uh, you know, we're working in a vacuum, and we said, well, geez, we're writing these songs, and we like it, and well, let's go make a demo tape. So we found a local studio in State College, Pennsylvania, which is where the Penn State University is, and um, we said, yeah, we'll go in and pay our forty bucks an hour and lay down the five songs we know that we just wrote went in there and banged them out, and we had a tape, and we said, okay, this is nice. Um, somebody came up with the brilliant idea of, you know, we could actually make records. And we were looking at each other like, are you crazy? You know, <laughs> we didn't, yeah. it didn't even dawn on us. And then we said, well, it's cheaper to make a 10-inch EP because uh, all the songs will fit there, and we're financing it ourselves. And that's how it came about. We had some friends, one particular friend who was an artist, Brett Tyson, and said, Brett, we want to make a record. you want to do the artwork for it? And bang zoom and it all starts to fall together and we find out later on that people are doing this kind of thing all over the world and geez we don't know because we're in the middle of nowhere just doing our thing so it felt a little bit like we were working in a vacuum but um and we started selling it ourselves at gigs and you know got a couple of distributors somehow we found some distributors in new york and los angeles and 
then Mike Varney gets a copy of it and writes John a personal letter inviting him to be on, inviting us to be on U.S. Metal Volume Two, and well, that never happened. You know, we went back and forth a couple of times with Mike, and I guess he eventually just released it without us being on it. He wanted John to recut the lead guitar or something like that, but uh, in, in that uh, in that case, we were just winging it. You know, we were dumb kids, didn't know what we were doing. Yeah. Well, how did the deal come out with Mausoleum then later on? Because they also added two more songs onto the album for you guys. I mean, was any work done on the record back then, or they just kind of take the original and put it out again? Well, the uh, what they did is uh, so we made some charts in Kerrang, I think. We made some import charts, and then we had a little feature in Kerrang, and we started to sell some, and somehow Mausoleum got a hold of it, and they got in contact with us. I remember getting a phone call at some weird hour of the day, talking to this guy with a weird accent and he said, I'm Alfie Falkenbach and I'm from Mausoleum Records in Belgium and we want to sign you guys and I'm thinking, yeah, this is somebody playing a joke on me. Yeah. <laughs> One of the knuckleheads, you know, in the road crew yeah. or something. And uh, I finally said, dude, just, you know, send me a contract and then we'll talk. So he sent me a contract in the mail and, and then it came out that uh, they wanted to just release the uh, the record as it was, they, and they said, well, we want to release a full-length LP, and we're like, hey, hold on a second, you want to release the same thing, but charge more money for it, and they're like, yeah. uh, unless you got something else you want to put on it, and at the time, we were back in the studio recording some more stuff, and we said, well, we got a couple of more things, and these two are pretty much finished, why don't you take them, and make sure you put those on, because if you're going to make people pay a full price for it, we ought to give them more songs. Sure. And the guy's like, yeah. So uh, we sent him two new songs, a little bit of different artwork, and we said, well, you got to call it something different because it's not the same record. You know, what did we know? Uh, so and that's how Lethal Plus Two came about, and Mausoleum ran with it, and uh, it was a lot of fun. And I'm glad yeah. that you had a chance to pick it up. Oh yeah, from my my record store in Brooklyn, where I used to live at the time, Zigzag. I grabbed it over there. I mean, those were the, good, the days when you had record stores. Today, it's all, you know. <laughs> Everything's online or digital. It's, it's a shame, but I mean, it's the world we live in. But great album, and I became such a big fan of the group back then. But like you said, you know, you had to do things on our own back then. If you weren't in a magazine or played locally, you didn't know who the bands were, where they came from, because it was just no way of communicating with any anybody else. You know, a couple of years later, when you started getting more info, never heard from the band again. Yeah, what we did is, um, uh, you know, honestly, we had uh, we had a we just split up in 85 um we didn't uh, we didn't have a follow-up for from mausoleum and frankly uh you know as much as we appreciated the opportunity and felt pretty lucky um we never got any accounting of it and never got any money from it so we're struggling to keep our vote a, a, a afloat and um then we had other careers going on too i remember i was going to college at the time and uh one of the other guys was john was married and uh, you know, it just got to be a huge financial sort of problem. And, uh, sure. We never got the big tour that we needed. You know, we didn't hook up with anybody because we didn't have a manager. And you have to keep in mind, we weren't in New York or Los Angeles or London. We're in the central part of Pennsylvania, and we don't know anybody, and there's nothing around, and we're playing bars. And, you know, we made a couple of trips out out of our area. Played New York, I think, once or twice. Played uh, somewhere in Manhattan. I forget exactly where. But in any case... Uh, uh, so what we did is, yeah, we just went on and uh, went about our lives, and um, uh, everybody, you know, we still hung out together and played, and, you know, we didn't really play as Nitro anymore, 
but we played together in different combinations and yeah. we've been friends ever since that never changed and that's where and then you know 30 years later we look at each other and say you know that record's 30 years old guys maybe we should uh, um uh put it up uh put it up on iTunes because we had friends that were asking us about it and said you guys really should do that so that's where that all came from yeah, because last year was the 30th anniversary of the record. It came. You guys re-released it last year, like it says, on iTunes and on Amazon. I mean, but before yep. that, you know, when the internet started to become more prominent and, you know, all the social media sites like MySpace and Facebook came out, did you start seeing, like, or noticing, like, people like, you know, hey, these guys are talking about our band, you know, and, you know, we don't even remember a lot of this stuff, but people <laughs> are talking about us. They want to know what we're up to. Does that kind of get the juices flowing again? Yeah, uh, well, there was, uh, frankly, um, uh, my uh, in a, my profession is I'm an engineer, so I'm you know I'm a techno dude, as is uh, John Hazel, who's the guitarist. He uh, John's also an engineer. So we've uh, we've always enjoyed the internet, and I always saw this little bit of stuff going on, and I'd remind the guys of it. I'd say, hey, somebody did a review of Lethal, and they're they're you know selling it on eBay and uh, that kind of thing. And uh, yeah, we would find that we would be in different you know uh, on different websites for just chatting it up there be forums people talking about it and uh that really it really didn't sort of um instigate us to do anything it was more sort of word of mouth we'd have we get the occasional email or or friends or whatever saying hey uh when can i get that uh, record of yours on uh, itunes and we're like uh okay we don't, we're not beholden to anybody else anymore sure mausoleum's not going to put it up there so uh we had other things going on and i basically said to the guys uh, probably you know a couple of months before the 30th anniversary of the thing, and said, um, "I'm thinking about putting this up there. You all right with that?" And then we all said, "Hmm, that'd be nice, but you know we should probably put some extra tunes on there." So we looked in the vault, and we said, "Yeah, we could do that, but uh, why don't we do this? You want to write a couple of new ones and put them up there?" And we're looking at each other and said, "Yeah, that'd be fun." So it was as innocent as that. And um, then I looked around the internet a little bit more and found out that, geez, we're part of some sort of cult yeah. uh, niche. And we did, we were completely unaware of it, awfully proud of what we did, and we're happy that people enjoy it. But we were kind of shocked because we weren't kind of looking to mine it in any way or to be part of it. But it was uh, it was an organic thing. So I think that's that made us feel good was that it was all done without any pushing by us. So that was fun. Oh. I'm glad that you guys did do it. And the fact that all four of you, you know, the original guys are back together doing it. I know, I mean, I'm going to play Uranium a little later on, but like when I heard the tune for the first time, I was like, you know, this sounds like old Nitro, but yet Nitro should sound like 30 years later. I don't know if that makes any sense. It's just like, I don't know if that was an old song that you guys redid or some parts from it was completely new, but it has that Nitro vibe to it, but yet it's very modern sound and, you know, like, like a band would sound today after playing all those years. Yeah, um, it's a brand new song. We uh, one of the things we had is you know you get four guys in a room that have played together like we did. We lived in each other's pockets for a good five six years solid, and uh, you know so uh, it was fun to try to do it. We were all pretty active musically separately and you know in different combinations together. So we kind of knew each other still. We never lost that familiarity, and uh, you know. Uh, John and I and Brad and Dana got together and said, uh, here, I got this. Why don't you check this out? So uh, we started to kick Uranium and a couple of other tunes around, and we're like, oh, that sounds pretty good. still sounds like us. It doesn't sound like us from 1982. It's a little bit different. And frankly, you know, we're slightly better players. We're a little better songwriters, I think. And, um, 
Yeah, what you have is Nitro 2013, uh, without a doubt. It's It's not regurgitated. It's not an old track. It's... This thing was fresh, farm fresh, I think is a term that we're using now, which is a lot of fun. Um, so, yeah, it's brand new. Um, and, and honestly, from an artistic standpoint, without getting you know too already farty about it, we wanted to do something that was representative of where we're at now. So when we were 19 and 20 years old, that's the stuff that you hear on Lethal Plus 2. That's the kind of experience we were having. But uh, one of the things that we wanted to do, one of the criteria was, obviously it had to kick ass, it had to rock, and it had to sound like us, and there's, you know, there's, there's no BS going on. It's us ripping and snarling like we always did. But uh, thematically, the new stuff is slightly different. It's not from a 20-year-old's perspective anymore. Sure. So, eh, you know, that, that, that verge is on a little bit pretentious, but um, we didn't want it to come off like that. We just wanted it to be a fair representation of what we were doing now. And honestly, we wanted to make sure that the people that were with us back then have come through the same experiences that we have so we were kind of speaking to them and saying, guys, here's where we are. Where is everybody else at? Are you here with us? Wasn't that a weird trip? <laughs> we all made yeah. it, didn't we? So <laughs> that's, that's where we're at. Um, and it's cool that some of the younger kids are, you know, meaning younger than me, um, are picking up on it and are feeling it too. It's like, oh, that rock's pretty good, old man. You know, I'm not that old, but still. You know, from, a, from a 20-year-old's perspective, I'm an old dude. Of course. Um, <laughs> but, uh, you know, and, and I'll look up square in your face and say, you find somebody that can rock as, uh, as hard as we do at our age and give the quality that we're giving you as modestly as we can put it, we feel pretty good about it. And, um, yeah, that was a lot of fun. Uh, it's, again, the cliche is it's like riding a bike. You know, you get the same people in the same room. You find out that uh, you're going to come out with uh, pretty much the same kind of sound, but it's just going to be slightly different. And uh, we're really happy with it. It exceeded our expectations. It's an amazing track. I mean, and it just like whets my appetite for more, which I hope that you guys are going to give us. But it's like, you know, like you were saying, like the dreams that you had for your band, like, you know, 1980 when you started, are completely different today because all these years have passed. You know, everybody's lives have gone in different directions. And, you know, in a way, you've come full circle to a certain point that you're back together again. But is, do you find it like a little easier today because maybe like that pressure of like trying to make it is off like back in the, in the heyday of metal where today you can kind of enjoy yourselves more and the music and just write, you know, at a leisurely pace and maybe play a show here and there and have a good time doing it? Yeah, this is really the, 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 the only criteria for, for us is to uh, – the, the best way I can say it is that the whole experience now is liberating. There were other things bearing down on us as a young band and young men who were ambitious and wanted to be, you know, frankly, we wanted to be where Metallica is now. But uh, obviously that didn't happen, but that was everybody's goal, not just my goal, but other bands around the world were shooting for that. And you only get a few of them that get to the Metallica status, you know what I mean? Yeah. So uh, at that point, we were working as hard as everybody else, and we were putting things to the side, and it was a great time. We weren't sacrificing by any stretch. We were doing what we wanted to do, how we wanted to do it. But there were a lot of pressures to get a tour, get a record deal, play as many gigs as you can, play better gigs than you played the week before, and try to manage all those other normal life things that go on. And these these times now, it's uh, it's really liberating in that, we're not beholden to a record company, even though we have this new thing coming out on Skull Records. Yeah. Um, we're not beholden to anybody. We, you know, we've got people that represent us, but we're like, dude, it's at our pace because we're going to do it now for the reason that we started doing it because we love music and we love playing together and we love creating 
and uh, that's what it's going to be about. And if people like it, that's cool. If people don't, that's also cool. And we're not going to chase the paycheck. We're not chasing the record deal. And we're going to gig when we want. And uh, we're going to write when we want. And it's not in sort of an egotistical thing. It's more of, this is beautiful. We've arrived at the place we really want it to be, which is no pressure and all creative. And uh, we're happy to be there. And, yeah, you hit it right on the head. It's, it's lower pressure now. And, frankly, we can concentrate now more on what we're supposed to be concentrating on, which is making great, kick-ass music. And that's where we're at. That's important. I mean, you know, when most bands start out, especially when you're kids, you're teenagers, either your friends or you meet each other, play, and you get together and you play, all you want to do is write music, get up on stage, you know, have the girls come after you and, and just have a good time. <laughs> That's what it all starts out. And when when does the reality hit you? Like you know, hey, you know, we're gonna to try to make something of this. When do you get that wake up call that this is a business and it's more than we thought it was? You know, do you remember that first instance when you said, hey, we got hit over the head with the hammer? Said, oh shit, this is you know, more than we thought. <laughs> yeah, it was. Uh, I remember we we're playing some really crappy club in the center of uh, Pennsylvania. Um, specifically, and anybody that's listening that went on this journey with us knows this place called the Wooden Apple in Belfont. Just a nasty place in central Pennsylvania. And some kid walks up to us and says, Hey, did you knuckleheads know that you're in Kerrang! magazine? And we're like, Get out of here, man. You're about ready to kick his butt because yeah. he was screwing with us. And he brings out this magazine, and there we are. We're on the charts in Kerrang! And we're saying, What's wrong with this situation? We're playing this crappy bar uh, in, you know, middle of nowhere, and uh, we're in this magazine that uh, all metalheads like us are worshiping. There's something that doesn't make sense here. And then we looked at each other and said, holy crap, we better start, start paying attention to what we're doing here if we really want to go anywhere. So yeah. that was this inflection point for us. I remember that, that evening yeah, precisely. Now, some of the other guys may beg to differ, but I remember having that conversation and, you know, looking back on when that sort of transition took place. We went from being just a bunch of guys with a, you know, this stupid little record we made playing nowhere in the middle of nowhere to somebody's actually listening here. We'd better start paying attention. <laughs> so, uh, that's what we, that, that was the time. And that was uh, probably, uh, well, uh, I have the, Kerrang! magazine somewhere, so I can tell you the exact date at some point, Mike, but I don't remember it. But that was uh, that was that issue of Kerrang! that I we just looked at each other and said, "Uh oh, <laughs> this is serious." Yeah, I, I you know I think you know from talking to so many bands on the show, I think more bands you know broke up over the years either due to like the management issues or you know stuff with record labels more than like everybody thinks it's like purse like like two members don't like each other to have a fight. Thing. I think it's more the business end of of the music business that causes bands to break up than the personal part of it. And that's that's such a shame that so many bands get lost over the years due to, like, you know, the management or the business part of it. It's incredible. Yeah, we didn't have a manager. The The reason that we stopped playing was because um, we were just at each other's throats, you know. It was a lot of pressure. We were trying to, like you said earlier, trying to get to the next level. And um, we just said, we're done. This is way too much work. You know, we're not getting anywhere. We got kind of disheartened. We weren't getting to that next level. And even though Mausoleum was sort of hitting around of, hey, you guys going to send us another record? Um, that that never happened. We were working on, a, on an album. The follow-up was supposed to be called Volatile Activity. And we had all kinds of tracks recorded, and we were still fine-tuning them. And we just abandoned the whole thing. Um, you know, we had 
no guidance at all, frankly. And yeah. it wasn't due to money because we weren't really making any money. It wasn't due to musical differences because we loved playing together. It was more of this is a this is not working out. It's not evolving the way that it should. We've got other things to do. Let's move on. So that's really what we decided to do. And it, you know, it happens. But you know what? All these years later, you are back. You are playing again. What do you have coming out of Skull Record? Are they releasing the original Lethal again, or or your aim a part of it? What are you going to be putting out of Skull? Well, uh, Skull's uh, it's S K O L for those folks yes. who don't know it. So go to SkullRecords dot com. And um, short version of a long story, Mike, is that um, uh, we were contacted back in the spring by uh, the CEO there. His name's Bart Gabriel. So yep. uh, super guy, and said, "Hey, love this record. What are you guys doing with it?" And I'm like, "Dude, we're not doing anything with it. What, what do you mean?" And he goes, and he described his uh, his record company and and what they were doing. And he said, can we license that? We'd like to do a release, and we'd like to also do an anthology of the complete sessions that surrounded Lethal Plus 2. And I thought it was BSing me, frankly, because I've had calls like this before. And sure. I said, uh, I said, nah, man, I, I, I'm not really sure this is a good idea. And he said, no, this is this is really something that uh, uh, fans are interested in. So um, it, we had a very – Bart had a very specific vision for this. He wanted to – re-release Lethal. He wanted to re-release any of the tracks that we had recorded around that time, which included Lethal Plus Two, and um, he wanted to make it a, an anthology. I don't, it's not really a box set, but uh, essentially to give uh, the fans of that record a complete uh, picture of what was going on with us at that time. So uh, we went into the vaults and said, well, geez, we have all these songs here, and only part of them made the record. And I sent them off to Bart, and he said, this stuff is just exactly what I want to do. He goes, do you have any other information around that? Do you have photographs and, uh, you know, any memorabilia that we can include? Because he said, I want to do a visual presentation with it as well, a booklet of, of information and, you know, a whole full look at it. It's an anthology is what he kept calling it. So, uh, I know the Beatles did an anthology, and I'm certainly not comparing us to that, but it's that sort of vibe, you know. Yeah. Um, so that's what we did. Uh, but Uranium's not part of it because I offered him to, I offered that to him because it was in the can, and we were working on some other stuff. And I said, uh, we've got this track as well. And he said, oh, that's pretty good, but that's not part of the vision here. So I said, ah, oh, okay, now I understand what, what he wants to do. He wants to uh, show the folks what was going on, in 81, 82, when we were making those records in the studio. And uh, so what we did is uh, gave him the outtakes. Uh, we gave him Lethal. Uh, we gave him Lethal Plus Two. And uh, what you're going to see is a, a release on July 25th that's called Lethal Dose. And we wanted to not give everybody the same record. It's kind of the same ethos that we had with uh, Mausoleum. Uh, Bart and I talked about it a bit, and we, we all agreed that uh, the most effective way to do this is to let people know that, yes, this is part of what they liked about us, that lethal era, but it's not exactly the same thing. So that's why the title is Lethal Dose and not Lethal. So um, uh, he thought that was a great idea, and uh, we went with it. So I think it's actually on sale now. You can pre-order it on, I think I saw it on High Roller Records. Uh, you can order it from them, and uh, I'm sure you can get it from Skull. Um and I think it's uh, going to be available July 25th, from what I understand. That's going to be fantastic, and I, I can't wait to get a copy of that. And you also have the original tenants that you found 
And I only have a few minutes left in the show, Tim, but I hate to sure. stop talking to you because I could talk forever, no, but I want to get a tune on. But people can find you, I guess, the best places on Facebook right now to go to your Facebook page, keep up to what's happening with the band. Absolutely. Just uh, Facebook.com slash USA Nitro. Uh, find well, us there. Everybody or uh, Mike knows how to get in touch with us as well. I'll put that link up on my site. Tim, please, come back anytime you want. I'll have a whole show just for you that way. We could talk for two hours and then have to rush off. But I want people to hear some of your new music, so I want to get Uranium on. Stay strong, guys. Mike, thank you very much for the interest, and uh, hopefully we'll be seeing you soon. I hope so, Tim. The best of luck. I can't wait to get more out of Nitro. Thanks again, guys. Take care, Tim. Thank you. All right, well, we only got enough time for this one more tune, so we're going to wrap things up with it. I want to thank all my guests tonight, Algie Ward, Magnus Carlson, and Tim Wilson from Nitro. T, take care, buddy. This is going to close us out. All right, bro. Take care. Uh, all right, buddy. Take care. Here you go. Nitro, uranium.
All right, that was Uranium. And how about a little after-show bonus for everybody listening to the podcast and on iTunes afterwards? Let's give you something off that lethal record from back in the day. Here's a song called Magic. I want to thank everybody for listening today. I will see you Thursday for the Metal Matinee at 12 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. It's a shootout this Thursday, so don't forget to tune in. Here you go, Magic. Over. Do you want a bear? Do you need need a bear up there? Okay. All right, Magic, take three.
Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. <laughs> The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.